Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. I love doing great work, but more than that, I love having a creative process that grows as I do. But lately, I've been doing some soul searching and reflecting on the other side of burnout. What was the cause? Was it the constant need for perceived perfection? Was it the never-ending comparison to other professionals? I think it was the lack of experimentation. In this episode of Getting Work to Work, I'm exploring three areas of creativity, the lab, the process, and the recipe, and why returning to the lab is just as important as having an excellent product. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 669. One of the things I love most about working as a creative professional is the endless creative possibilities available to anyone. Not only can we dream up amazing ideas, but the barriers to actually making them happen are disappearing on a daily basis. Thank you, technology. With infinite possibilities, however, reality quickly crashes into our aspirations. We struggle with where to start, compare our first drawings to those of experienced professionals 20 years into their craft. We proclaim we can't do it because we aren't achieving perceived perfection immediately. So what do we do? We either quit And there are many forms of resignation from letting our dreams die quickly to distracting ourselves to the point where the dream fades away. Or we enter the lab and start experimenting, playing, and falling in love with the work of creativity, whatever that is. Every night for the past few months, I've been reading a few pages from Dessert Can Save the World, Stories, Secrets, and Recipes for a Stubbornly Joyful Existence by Christina Tosi. It is a great book about her creative journey as a pastry chef, baker, entrepreneur, and lover of dessert. My most recent readings lately included her description of the differences between perfecting recipes and playing in the kitchen. So let's start with the lab. As creatives, we begin in the lab. No one is paying us. We're motivated by the pursuit, the thrill of trying. We might not have goals. We probably don't have an agenda. And we don't know what we don't know. And it doesn't matter. We go to our safe space and make. Maybe we'll share what we do over time. But the only thing that matters is that we take an idea or as Tosi describes it, a what-if question, and begin to bring it to life. So some questions for you. How often do you ask what-if questions and then try to answer them with action? And then the other question is this. What is your laboratory? Is it your garage, a spare bedroom, the kitchen? I encourage you to designate a space that you can enter for 15 minutes or many hours at a time. Because it is the uninterrupted exploration in safe spaces that allow you to not only answer those what-if questions, but to discover your creative process. Because every creative industry has an official process 
But as you begin to discover how you create things, your creative process is going to differ from those established ways of doing things. How you respond to the dissonance between the two will define not only the evolution of your creative process, but how you continue to show up in your lab. There's a phrase that you'll often hear in any area of creativity, and that's in order to break the rules, you have to know the rules. And that's just a way of saying your creative process doesn't matter until it aligns with the official process. Earlier in my career, the further the distance between my creative process and the rules got, the more changes I made, the more frustration I felt, and the less happy I was. I wanted validation. I wanted to be seen as a professional, or so I thought. 20 years into my career, I now recognize that my process is unique to me. It is shaped by my experiences, by how I see the world, my vision, and the way that I communicate that to others, and by the way my creative process exists to bulldoze me through barriers, whether those barriers are inside my brain or in the people around me or in the systems around me. There's a lot of buzz on social media about systems and processes as if they are plug and play with any creative professional. I think it's great to learn about what other people do, but it's better to understand how you work. Again, your process is going to be unique to you and it won't translate to someone else. And that's 100% okay. That just means you're not selling coaching to other creatives and how they can do their work better. So some questions for you. How would you describe your creative process? How does your creative process allow you to bust through internal and external barriers? What do you love most about your creative process? And what do you wish you could change? The more you can explore your process, the more you then start to see the products that you're creating. And now we come to the other part of Tosi's section that was impactful. Not only did she talk about the need for experimentation, but she also extolled the virtue of perfecting recipes. Sure, we can spend all of our time experimenting, but eventually we need to make something for others. And this is where our creative recipes come into play. These are the things, the songs, the films, podcast episodes, blog posts, books, social media posts, the creative artifacts. So what are the creative artifacts you make for other people? Recipes and your creative process both exist to serve one another. As you perfect your recipe, your process evolves and changes to reflect what you learn. At least that's how it should work. It's possible to get stuck, and that happens usually when your process doesn't change. You expect the recipe to change from the same process. That doesn't necessarily happen. While I got a lot from Tosi explaining the difference between experimentation and perfecting recipes, what she said next blew my mind. And it's for those of us who have been at our craft for some time. We've gotten invested in the perfection of our recipes, and we probably spend less time experimenting. 
we spend less time asking what-if questions because those might not pay the bills. And it starts to show. Maybe not in our work, but definitely in our creative spirit, in ourselves. When we return to experimentation, we begin to heal ourselves. We might see new possibilities in our process and production that we couldn't see otherwise. So a question, when you think about returning to experimentation, does it strike fear in your perfection-seeking creative heart? Or are you ready to enter a new chapter in your journey? Regardless of where you are in your creative journey, having a firm understanding of the lab, your process, and the production of recipes is important. But perhaps the most important takeaway from this entire episode for me is the willingness to return to experimentation. Fall in love with your craft all over again. It's possible, but guess what? It's just as scary now as it was when you first started out. The difference is you know now what you're capable of. But you know what's not ever going to change? The possibilities on the other side of experimentation. You can never discount the pursuit of what-if questions. Time to get into your lab and play. Speaking of experiments, in the last monologue I mentioned I was setting up a shop feature on the Getting Work to Work website. It is now ready to go. There's a few ways that you can show your support for getting work to work, including several posters for sale. The most recent designed by Ireland-based artist Ashwin Chaco. I commissioned him to come up with a fun poster, and he did not disappoint. Whether you buy from the store, share an episode with a friend, or keep listening to the show, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.